Hello, and welcome to the Equity Foundation podcast. The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of Actors' Equity. Our mission is to assist, educate, and inspire performers. To find out more, visit www.equityfoundation.org.au. Before I introduce Abby, Paul, and Andrew, I want to thank Media Super who are the principal sponsor of the Equity Foundation. Media Super has supported the foundation since our beginning in the early 2000s. They are your industry super fund and they can help you with your superannuation and provide you with financial advice. So please welcome Abby, Paul and Andrew. Hi all. So really what I wanted to talk about most of all was the fact that studios have been a thing in the States and the UK for quite some time. And most voiceover artists have been working out of home studios. In Australia, the uptake wasn't as great. And people had a small home studio set up and a lot of people were working quite well, but the percentage was very, very low. So of course, what the, the COVID has thrown us into is the essential situation of working from a home studio so my clients required me to to set up so for the first the, for two weeks it was quite stressful I would like to say I have had a, a little home studio for some years probably eight years running a pro tools program which I bought back then uh, that's the one that I was most familiar with from the studios and I understood the language of it and the waveform and the way it, it, it worked I used to make voice demos for people and would edit with that program so I was very comfortable with it but it was never in a soundproof room I used to baffle a bit but I it, it wasn't set up for me to do work from because I used to say oh no 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 I want to go to a studio I want the connection I want the contact and I want to be in a professional studio and not be my own engineer so I didn't do it but as so what has actually happened well, basically I, I set it up so I could coach people and they could listen back to what we would recorded when they I coach with them but what this situation has thrown up is a whole different way of working in a home studio. And that is actually around the Source Connect aspect. Now, if you're not familiar with Source Connect, um, Paul can actually just explain that now. Can I throw to you, Paul, to explain uh, Source Connect? Hi, guys. Um, yeah, it's funny you say it's new. It's not just new to everyone who's here today. It's, <clears throat> it's also new to everyone. I've been doing this uh, for 25 odd years. There was, for the last, 25 or so years there's been isdn so we've always been able to connect to everywhere around the globe with special equipment that studios have and about 10 or 15 years ago some guys in the states developed the software called source connect which works uh, over the internet uh, and it started off a little shaky but it's really solid nowadays and it's great because it means that we can all literally work from home or more importantly, wherever we want to be. It is a program that you either buy outright or subscribe monthly to like a lot of software companies are nowadays. It is a bit of software you download and you'll have on your computer, Mac or PC doesn't matter. And I think one of the best things about it for the voiceover artists is uh, that all you need to do is have this software and nothing else. You don't need any recording software like Pro Tools or any any other form of. Um, you don't need to record the audio uh, at your end. You can just log in to this software, um, a bit like a, a messenger chat type thing, 
make sure you've got your microphone, which we'll talk about shortly, um, hooked up and away you go. And you just, apart from having your room set up, which we'll also go through shortly, uh, it's very simple. And all the recording happens on effectively my end, our end, the engineer's end. Um, we will have, we, we could be operating either in our studio or in our home, as you can see. Um, and we can also have the clients dial into the connection, all of which you don't need to worry about. So I think the, the important thing to take away from Source Connect straight away is that it's simple, it's relatively cheap, um, and once you've got yourself a little microphone set up uh, and a nice little quiet area, uh, you're good to go. Um, and, and that goes for everyone when you go on a holiday and you have a hotel room and you get yourself a nice walk-in robe and you set yourself up in the walk-in robe and hope that the kids don't walk in on you. But um, so that is also a great thing. Um, so that's an overview of Source Connect. Um, it's become, over the last 15 years, it's kind of become the industry standard. There are uh, alternatives, um, which I won't get too much into, but um, just to throw another name out there, there's, there's IPDTL, which is also web browser based. Uh, Source Connect is not web browser based. It can be, but also I won't get too messy about that. Generally, it's its own standalone app, though, which is what keeps it simple. So Source Connect actually has um, different standards. Um, it has Source Connect Pro. Is that what you have, Paul? Uh, no, I just have standard, actually. You just have standard. Right. So I have, I have standard. Did you want to say something, Paul? No, no, no. The, sta the Pro is too much for, it's, it's all for surround sound and all sorts of big things. It's yeah, we don't need it. So standard is, is very simple. I mean, it, in Australian dollars at the moment, well, it's 35 US dollars a month for a subscription, but uh, that translates to with the current um, Aussie US dollar price, about $55 Australian. And there's a $75 US, which is about $120 Australian setup fee. So there's a one-off setup fee of $120 and that's $35. I mean, I would advise people if they're working in voiceover and they really, they want to, they want to do this, that this is the way to go. There's also something called Source Now. Is that a Source Connect product? It is correct. Source Connect Now, which yes. is... Free. Yeah. Uh, and that works over the web browser and uh, specifically over Google Chrome. Uh, it's the only work, web browser it works on. And that allows me, the studio, to send you a link, you the actor with the voiceover, uh, with the uh, microphone, I should say, uh, that then you're, within that web browser you tell the uh, computer that you want to listen to that particular microphone, uh, at which point then there's a link up. However, the big catch here is that the quality is not very good and it's a little more reliant on, it's a bit like streaming, like from Spotify and what have you. There, occasionally there's dropouts and the quality's not yeah. really yeah. But it's there, it's free. So I used that a couple of times with studios before I got my Source Connect up. So getting Source Connect up can be a, a trifle complex depends on how techy you are but it's one of those things that once you have it set up it's amazing and it is so dead simple to work it's the easiest thing I've ever found so now I love working in my home studio which as you can see is right behind me it's also called the cubby it's in the corner and it is actually uh, just a, a series of um, 
pine squares covered with black fabric and backed with insulation that I got from a studio who was upgrading. So I've made a little corner booth. It has a roof on it, which is at about seven foot. The ceiling is nine foot. And I throw, I've got a, um, basically a petition. So that's, that is a, a partition that I just move back to the wall if I don't want it. And when I'm in there, when I climb into the cubby and I close myself in the petition and I have a little, a soft, kind of um, knee rug or, or, you know, bed sort of rug thrown over it. And apparently that's pretty good. My sound is quite good. So what I have set up is a... So we want to talk about gear now to make it easier. I mean, Paul's talked about a microphone. The only thing you need is a microphone. But you do need an interface, don't you, um, Paul? So you need an interface. So my interface is actually a Focusrite Scarlet. That's made by Focusrite and it's called a Scarlet. It costs, it will cost you between um, 300 and 320, or is that 200 and 220? Anyway, you can look that up, but that, that's actually what I use, recently upgraded. Um, then you need a set of head, so this is basically a list of, of gear and costs, guys, if you want to be writing these things down. So the Focusrite Scarlet interface which you plug your microphone into, your headphones into, and there's a lead coming from the interface that you plug into your computer, laptop, whatever computer you have. I, actually, somebody asked a question about iPads. I'm not too sure about iPad and this system, Paul. Would you know whether you could, whether iPads have enough connectors? That, I'll launch into this part of the conversation now. So there are generally two types of microphones. Um, there are the USB microphones and then there are, uh, for better, lack of a better word, just professional microphones. And professional microphones uh, which plug into an interface um, uh, which then go from the interface via USB to computer as opposed to a USB mic which literally has a USB cable coming out of it and goes straight into the computer. The main difference between the two is quality and the reason the quality differences there is because the USB can't get a microphone, uh, it can't feed the microphone enough voltage. So microphones require a lot of, uh, quite a lot of voltage in order to function uh, because they're so sensitive. Um, so the biggest difference uh, is that the interface has a preamp in it which gives the microphone the voltage, therefore you get a lot better quality uh, with uh, a proper mic and uh, that has uh, a three-pin XLR cable as opposed to a USB cable. Um, so you, that's why they are better quality, because they have more voltage. Um, the, USB, the USB mics are fine, but they're great for podcasting and what have you. But if you're going to be recording voiceovers from home, which I think all of you guys want to do, you, you'll need at least um, uh, Two mics that I can think of straight off the bat would be the Rode uh, NT1 or the NT2. Um, I think the, the, the first is about $200 and the second one's about $400 or $500. Yeah. Google will give you those answers. Um, there is also a great little setup kit, which Les from sent me the other day. So many there's, there's also the, the Rode NT1A, which is the one that I have, mm. um, for about $300. 300 to 350 it includes the 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 rack and the pop shield yes yeah yeah can you hear me now oh andrew you, you're here i'm here, I'm here. 
Thank goodness. Um, okay, so I was going to say, you talk about this is the kit you're talking about, which is 450 bucks, and this will get you going, which is the NT1 with the AI1 interface. Okay. Oh, okay. Mic yep. cable, 450 bucks. All you need is a mic stand and the headphones, and you're away. Mm. Um, you've already pretty well covered the room aspect, which is the mm. number one thing to get the room sounding right, and then you can work out which mic you want. I think... Um, and we're going to bang on about road uh, because they are Australian. So if anything ever goes wrong, you know, it's, it's a local yeah. fit and they've, they've got great support network. But another one that's worth looking at is the NTG4, which is a shotgun mic. It's about 350, 400 bucks. Mm. Uh, that one has a couple of filters. It's got a, a high pass filter and a high boost, which just roughly a high pass filter. If you've got low rumble from passing traffic or some low end noise, you hit the high pass filter and it actually takes that out or takes up a lot of it. So that could be handy. Uh, but if you're in a, like a really boxy kind of muffled room, like with the head under a doona, then uh, which we don't sort of advocate, but um, the high boost is handy because it just gives you a bit, bit of top end that you'd have lost. Yeah, because you have to watch when you're baffling. You know, I talk about my little corner cubby. You know, it, it worked. It took a little bit of pushing and pulling. But you have to watch when you're deadening sound that you don't get it too dead. You know, I mean, if I, I'm in a very live room. But in that corner, it's a completely different kettle of fish. So it, it has worked, but it takes a bit of experimentation. And you can work in a cupboard. I mean, I know fellow voiceover artists who are, they have set themselves up in a kind of a, a cupboard corner and yep. they're working and their sound is actually quite good. Then you have to be good at working the microphone. Then you have to know how close to be what your energy level is going to be like, what your volume is going to be like. I mean, those kind of things are important too. So we'll stick to gear at the moment though. Let's stick to gear and costs. Okay, so like you need a mic stand. What do you think about costs of mic stands? I mean, they're anything between 100 and 250 bucks, but... Oh, you can get, no, you can pick up a mic stand for 50, 60 bucks. Right, okay. Um, so that, that's pretty cheap. So mic stands, nothing. So all up, you're talking about if you got the kit, so 450 either with the AI one separate little interface, the road interface. Yeah. It's actually really good because um, I've got a few of these USB interfaces that I take on the road with me. But this one, the good thing about this is the headphone amp. It is really loud. Most of them, because they're USB powered, are really quiet. But for some, I don't know how they've done it, but they've managed to get this thing really cranking. So that's kind of handy. Um, so if I was setting up from scratch, once I've got my little corner set sorted out with, with the room, I would get one of the kits or the AI1, the NTG4 or the uh, NT1. Uh, a mic stand is all you need apart from that. And then if this is another trick, which is a very handy trick as I found out after doing uh, my road trip to Uluru and then uh, working on the road every day and then coming back and listening to a couple of the files and realized that I hadn't picked up the reflections in the room and I thought I killed it all but I hadn't and then I was talking to Robert Marshall who's the guy the founder of Source Connect who I do a podcast with and he had just bought some new in-ears because someone had nicked his other ones from NAB and he had some molds made and we was we were talking on the line and he put his microphone right next to his ear and nothing there was no feedback nothing which then made me think, well, if there's nothing coming out of his ear, then there's obviously nothing going in his ear except what's coming in from the microphone. 
So if you get in-ears, which these are in-ears that I use, um, they're completely sealed. So all you're hearing is actually what you should be hearing, which is going through the microphone, which then allows you to check to see if there is actually reflection in the room or there is some weird computer noise or some weird rumble from somewhere, which you would not normally hear. So that, that's one thing I would definitely get. And you can pick these up, Audio-Technica's, they, they've just done a series of um, professional in-ears. They're called in-ears? Yeah, in-ear in -ear headphones. So they stick them in your ear, like yeah, buds, yeah. but they seal. And uh, they've done a bunch of professional ones for musos, like everything else we use is usually designed for either music or film. Um, and the, the cheapest ones they've got, I think they're about $199. Uh, these ones are the next ones up in these $299 and then they go really nuts with a another pair for 699 but I've seen in ears for like three or four thousand dollars so these oh, are really great value. Excuse and, the dumb question but you, you're using those instead of headphones? Yeah and you know the good thing about these is um, when we do actually go to a studio again I won't be sticking some sweaty used headphones on my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, okay. These, yeah, so Love I just take these with me. <laughs> exactly. Um, I was just going to ask you something. Oh, yes. Can you give us the um, your podcast name? So that oh, yeah. This is a fabulous resource that um, Andrew does. Do you want to just explain it and give us the name of the podcast for people who'd like to register? Yeah, yeah. It's called the Pro Audio Suite Podcast. Mm -hmm. And it's myself... A uh, mate of mine who I worked with, he was an ex-radio ex production guy. He now does imaging for stations all over the place, actually. He's, um, and he works from home, and he has done for about 15 years. A guy called Darren Robertson, he's in Sydney. Uh, Robert Marshall, who's the founder of, um, and still runs uh, Source Connect, Source Elements. And another guy called George Whitten, who's, um, they call him the VO Tech to the VO Stars. Uh, he's he's fascinating. He's very fond of knowledge. He, yeah, he's, he's the man. I mean, you, you mentioned his name in America, and everybody knows George. Yeah. Like he's the guy that built the um, SAG after uh, Don Lafontaine lad in LA for uh, for SAG, and um, he was Don Lafontaine's tech for years. Built his studio. Built you know all the big guys used George anyway to do their studios. So. So we do podcasts and we, we've covered all this stuff about Source Connect, the difference between the browsers, what you need, setting up an iLock, all that kind of stuff. We talk about building studios, setting up from like really basic right up to going the, you know, blowing, blowing the budget, open checkbook stuff. Um, so we cover everything on that podcast. So check it out, have a bit of a look around and it could be handy just with a bit of information. It is a bit nerdy, but... Yeah, it's a bit nerdy. Um, <laughs> but you just mentioned something there that I thought, will we mention iLocks or not today? Because, you know, I have an iLock, which is, uh, can you explain that, please, Andrew? It'd be much better yeah. than me. Well, there's two iLocks. You can either do one which is based on a server, or as people like to call a server these days, a cloud. Um, you can either have that one on a remote server, or you can get the, the actual iLock, the, the physical iLock. Uh, the good thing about a physical iLock is if you have a couple of different machines, like I've got a, a studio machine here, but I also, when I'm away, I use the laptop so I can pull the iLock out and take it with me, which means I can then, you know, use any all the licenses that are on that iLock, which would be Source Connect and a few other bits and pieces. 
Um, so if okay. you're interested in Source Connect, you will get um, a question around Source Connect standard about owning an iLock. So I just wanted yep. to to brief you that that will come up. So just wanted to tell you what an iLock was because you, I think when you you connect to Source Connect standard, I'm not too sure how it works because I own an iLock. Yeah, your iLock it will yeah, read your license. Yeah. Yeah, it, it looks sees your license. Yeah, all your licenses are there. Which I you can it's cloud based now as well. So once you've set, you have to own a physical iLock, set it up. But once it is set up, it can then be cloud based. So I have an iLock that I never actually plug in anymore, but uh, it's there for. And I think you have to have one to start your account with or something like that. I so. think you, yes, you do definitely. Anyway, mm. let's let's talk about doors, digital audio workstations. I mean, I, I mentioned Pro Tools, but there are others, and I'm sure that there are people here who are using lots of of the others. Can we just talk about? I mean, we already know now that with Source Connect, you don't actually need to run a program, but if you are in a, if you are recording um, on your own at home, self-producing, or maybe being produced somehow down the line or just been given work to do, um, you do need to, to actually record and send it off. But um, so let's just talk about what you think, boys. Show to you, Paul, about those other doors. Sure, well, obviously the industry standard is Pro Tools. You can get a, a very, I think it subscribes for about $30 a month for the most basic version, um, which would be more than anyone needs to record a simple single track. Um, you don't need Pro Tools by any means. You know, if you're on a Mac, I think GarageBand comes free with it. That will record a voiceover track because all you're looking for with your digital audio or is for it to have the ability to record at least one track of which they all do. Um, so you would open up that program. Uh, you would set the input for that uh, to be the microphone that you've bought and um, then uh, away you go. Um, it will then create a WAV file on your computer with which you'll be able to find and export and send that off. That's, most people have probably already done something very similar to that, I'm sure, already. Um, so you, you really don't need to spend money on a door for the most basic of voice recording. Um, there's Audacity, there's, I'm sure Andrew will list a few others too that I can't think of. There's so many, there's Logic, there's Cubase, there's all these other ones, they all cost money, of course but there are definitely free ones. Um, if you want to start editing your voice as well, uh, what, which garage band can do, um, I'm trying to think of a PC equivalent, Andrew. Can you? I, I don't know a PC equivalent. I mean, Audacity, I think, does that work on PC? I think it probably does. Yeah, I think so. I would keep everything, for me, I just keep everything really simple. I, I um, uh, if you're running a Mac, then you get Twisted Wave is pretty cheap, and it's it's just it's not even a DAW; it's just a, an audio editor that that um, you can you can purchase. And I, don't, I think it's like eighty bucks or something. It's not very expensive. It's dead simple to use. It does everything you need. It edits perfectly. It's it's great. Um, if you work on a PC, then because uh, my big computer's a PC, which everyone takes a gasp when I mentioned that, but, um, and I run Steinberg WaveLab, which is, it gives you a few more tools than, uh, than Twisted Wave, but not that much more. Um, but I just, I've always had it and I just find it easy. You, you, once you get used to, a, you know, a DAW, then you tend not to shift because you hate, I hate relearning stuff. Yeah. Uh, there was a question that came through around editing. It was somebody who asked a question around, um, Editing and how to edit different takes together rather than relying on the one brilliant take. Well, 
That's an interesting question. The way I would do that is that if I was recording myself at home, I would really be taking it line by line, paragraph by paragraph. If I was happy with that line, I would move on to the next thing. If I wasn't, I would pause and I would record it again. And then I would often use a little thing that I just call a click like that to mark the, the waveform so that I know where to go back to to edit it out. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it just takes practice and editing is one of those things. It's a feel thing. I mean, if you go to the studio and you record, maybe you do eight takes for something. What's going to happen when you leave the studio? Sometimes you're there sitting there and waiting for this to happen. Is it they've been out in the control room or the producer's been out in the control room or the engineer marking the takes or the bits of the take that they really like. And when you leave, just like putting a patchwork quilt together, they'll take a take from read two that was beautiful opening there, put with a with a second line from read six, which was perfect, and they'll put it together like that. And then 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 the shape is created because of pausing and space for thought and that's the way it's done, basically. So that's what you have to learn to do. And and it's it's a listening thing. It's like, did that piece of information go in before I moved on to the next piece of information? And then the next. So that's the way it works in that editing sense. So, oh, there's a question we've answered. Tick. Happy. <laughs> um, it's Alex Jones here. Can I just jump in? I'm just looking at this chat line, and a few people have just asked for little. Can you just quickly run over some of the equipment that they need, like the eye lock and those ears? Just just a few little details because they're not quite sure what that. Would that be all right? Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Andrew, do you want to take that away, the ears and the eye lock? Yep, sure. Okay, we'll start with, um, so we've got the in-ears. Am I there? I think I'm not jumping in. Have I muted myself again? No, no, you're good. You're oh, good. good. Okay, so these are just entry-level in entry level in the sense of professional in-ears. They're from Audio-Technica. They'll cost you about under 200 bucks, and they're perfect. Sealed, they do the job. Then, so you'd be able to get that at any music shop? Yeah, like store DJ, not like, you know, whoever, Taramara Music, wherever you, you know, you yeah. shop. Um, then we were talking about getting kit, and this is the perfect kit, really, because you get everything except for a mic stand. So if you've got the headphones and you've got this kit, all you need then is a mic stand, and you're yeah. ready to go. Um, and then the iLock, uh, you just buy iLocks at any music store. Mm. So, USB. Just yeah, plug so it plugs into the USB port, and that's where you download all of your licenses and hold the licenses on the iLock. So it's a toggle, basically. Yeah, just do a bit of Googling on it. It's I, small I, L O K. Yeah. I L O K. Um, was there anything else there, Alex, that we needed to answer from questions? Uh, somebody was just wondering if you can recommend any particular online tutorials to learn the basics. Oh, just look up George Whittam. Yeah, that's right. And his surname is spelt W-H-I-T-T-A-M. Is it double T-A-M or T-H-A-M? It is. Double T-A-M, yeah. George Whittam. He's an American guy and he really is incredibly techie. I don't know about any other tutorials, but there will be some. With, with Source Connect, there are a lot, a lot of tutorials. Which yeah, is George, does a, George actually does a really good one. He's done a couple yeah. um, where he talks about setting up your iLock and setting up and um, downloading Source Connect. You'll find that, I think, on the Source Elements website. But you could just go Google George Whittam Source Connect and it'll come up. He's got videos everywhere. 
Um, or you can um, pick up a few little bits and pieces of information from, like I said, the podcast that we do together, George and I, and Robert and uh, Robbo up in Sydney called The Pro Audio Suite. Now, there was another question that came through about um, a portable studio. Um, <laughs> away you go, Andrew. I have one right here. Here's one I prepared earlier. <laughs> here you go. Now, this is, um, it's called the Portabooth Pro from a guy called Harlan Hogan, who's a voiceover talent, who years and years and years ago was a voice of one of the networks and was always traveling and, and tried to build you know, pillow forts and stuff in hotel rooms. And then he, um, he got a box and stuffed it with foam and put his microphone in there and he did a video and put it online saying, this is how to make a portable booth, basically. It was pretty rudimentary, but it kind of worked. Then he got called saying, oh, can you make me one? He said, well, no, I don't, I don't make them. I'm just showing you how to make one. Um, but then the demand got so big that he set up a business, which has now become his company called VoiceOver Essentials. And it's turned into a, a, this Portable Booth Pro, which is their flagship sort of portable booth. Um, they are, it uses all the Oralex stuff, so he's got in bed with Oralex as well. Um, it's beautifully engineered. It actually goes into like a, a shoulder bag, which is perfect because when you're away, and I take this one away, it all folds up in the shoulder bag. It's full of foam, so you can put your audio interface in there, your microphone in there. Everything goes into that kit, your leads, everything you need. And uh, it's all in one bag, and it's all safe and secure. But those things are great. The only thing is I would say if you're going to get one, uh, they're not cheap by the time they get to Australia, but cheap as far as building a booth. I think, what did I see this morning? I think they were 300 and, 370 US. So mm. what's that going to be? About five, 500 yeah, bucks. Exactly. 550, 600 bucks by the time it gets here. But if you had that, um, and I'd use a shotgun. I wouldn't use a large diaphragm microphone. I would use one of the shotgun mics. Because the large diaphragms just get really boomy and weird in there. But once you set one up, and I've used this thing, I've had this is my second one. Um, I've had them for years and years and years, taking them everywhere. And they're great. They're really good. But it just took me a, a long time to work out how to get the thing sounding the best it could. Um, and that is with a shotgun that just sticks out the front. It doesn't actually sit inside. It sticks just out the front of the, the, um, the booth. Andy, so you don't get that boomy thing. Yep. Where that, that sort of brings, I think, us over to the home studio setup. Now, um, what are your recommendations for someone just setting up at home? You know, is it, is it to go into the, uh, the walk-in uh, robe? Is it, if you don't have that, is it, what's, what's your thought? There's a couple of things. In fact, um, if you've got a walk-in robe, I mean, that's great. If you, if, as long as you've got clothes on either side of you and mm. not a dirty, great big mirror in there. Um, and you can always hang stuff behind you or whatever, but walking robes are great because as soon as you talk into the clothes, you know, a lot, of, a lot of that sort of residual noise gets taken, you know, gobbled up by the, the clothes. I actually built something and it was based on George Whittam and, he, and a voiceover guy called Rickard, uh, Rick Wozner. Um, they built this thing called the Tri-Booth and they built it out of PVC pipes and removal blankets. Now, George helped the, with the last one to get that, the thing engineered properly so it worked. And I saw them and I, I was going to get one, but by the time it got here, it was going to be like two and a half thousand bucks. So as an experiment, I thought my challenge is to build one. <laughs> so I did. 
And uh, I could see why they're expensive because at the end of it, I added up the receipts and ended up costing me about 550 to build the booth. Mm. But it's like if I'm traveling domestically, um, I would chuck that in the car if I'm driving somewhere and take it with me. Uh, if I'm on the aeroplane, I'll take the porter booth. But it worked really well. I, I set it up in, um, in the house and just recorded some stuff, brought the, the files back in here. And it's pretty hard to pick the difference. It worked really, really well. But you just got to be in a quiet space, that's all. It just absorbed the reflections. Yeah, I think for people, you know, in the home studio, the thing is that my, so my room is not soundproof. My corner cubby is baffled. That's what you would yeah. call it. You would just say yeah. baffled and sound deadened. What you have to be really conscious of are the outside noises. So, I mean, I've got headphones on, but I can hear because it's coming into the room and being recorded from my microphone. Oh, there's a plane going by. I can just hear it buzzing in the distance because I'm nearby a small plane airport. Then I've got, you know, a motorbike will come. The, the street is way over there, you know, but you'll hear some noise. Then there'll be birds. You watch birds. I mean, you have to be really conscious of these kind of things. I have a creaky old house. People, my daughter comes up the stairs. It's like, I can hear that through the microphone, the dog walking. So really conscious of those kinds of things, even in a baffled studio. But I, I you know, I have used things in the early days, like putting a chair on a table, like standing a chair, the chair legs sit there. I'm looking at the seat of the chair. I've got my microphone on a little desk stand underneath that thing. And I put one of those soft rugs over the whole thing. And that's, that's how I used to improvise sound deadening. And it worked, but it wasn't comfortable. I mean, I think if you're doing a lot of work or you're imagining doing a lot of work, eventually move towards it's, it, it has to be comfortable. It has to work for you. You know, I've set myself up in my cubby so that I'm standing. It feels like I'm in the studio. I'm in the same situation that I would be in the studio. Mm. Um, yeah. I think people, there is a bit of confusion, I've got to say, between, you know, sound, uh, uh, managing acoustic, managing the acoustics and soundproofing. Yes. I don't know of any studios professional studios that are soundproof in certainly in Melbourne. I don't think there's any that would be hundred percent soundproof yeah, probably. because you know, to, for the amount of money it costs to soundproof a, a booth is just insane. So, you know, you're not going to be, even if you built something, I mean, I built mine, which is the isolation box in isolation. So the booth sits on rubber. It doesn't touch any other wall. It's, you know, the walls are, super thick and and it worked like it is pretty close to being soundproof but still stuff gets in i mean low frequencies will still get in so paul you've heard my sound how would you describe my sound from my baffled booth uh just like you were in our booth um honestly you've it's it's and it doesn't take a lot uh to get it sounding good um it's all the things we've discussed it's about deadening the sound you'll never kill all of it but you almost don't need to worry about that, particularly for the stuff that I record, because I will just eliminate any background noise that I hear if it happens to be just general room noise. Obviously, if there's a take where, uh, you know, an aeroplane's gone over the top, we'll just record another one. So, I mean, the stuff I do with uh, you, Abby, and, and Andrew is just live recording. So I record at my end. Um, so I will, you know, if I hear a problem, I'll just get another take. But it's fine. It's great. I just had a question from Ruth. She's um, 
She has a Zoom H4N and wants to know if she teams this with a decent mic and stand. Would this work for recording professional sound? A Zoom H4N. Mm. Uh, I mean, yeah, the Zoom is a hard disk recorder um, and that is fine. Um, however, um, because you're hooking the microphone straight into that and it's not going into your computer, the only thing it will be useful for is for you recording to yourself. No one else will be able to hear that other than when you take the files off that and email them. Um, so it's better you, if you've got a microphone that you can plug into the Zoom, then that same microphone can plug into an interface, which then is on your computer and then you're straight up to Source Connect. So the Zoom's not useless by any means. It's just that it's really only going to be for you doing your own personal recordings. Well, crikey, there's a whole lot of questions coming in. I'm going to be thrown. <laughs> so I'll try to get to as many as I can. Um, it might be answered in the next little while anyway. Um, uh, let's just... Somebody's asked about... Let's kind of move to... I wonder if we've done enough on the gear. Do you think we've done enough on the gear? We probably have. We've done enough on baffling. We probably have. Can Andrew show us the boothie, mate? No, I, don't, I think that might take too long, actually. It's just there. <laughs> Behind all those pictures. Behind all those pictures, right. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a real, it's a real construction. It's a real construction, whereas mine is just um, built on the floor. Um, so somebody's asked a question about um, the best method for sharing large sound files. But this is a person who's currently using an iPad to record and WavePad, a free editor, um, but then sharing the files to yourself, it sounds quite complicated, whoever that is. Um, sharing the files to yourself so you can edit on the desktop. You've used iCloud, Google Drive, but you'd love to know any other simple ways of sharing. The finals I often share on Hightail. Well, that's what I use, Hightail. It's amazingly fast and um, it's a good I system. Standard for file sharing for media is Digital Pigeon, which is also an Australian-based company based in Melbourne. Um, not that everyone here is based in Melbourne. We're all around the country. but. Uh, yeah, but they have servers obviously in Asia and Europe and America. Um, Digital Pigeon, it, it's brilliant. Uh, the thing that makes it, I think, an industry standard is its ability to uh, allow previews and uh, the ability to make changes to that particular link that you've sent. So people will be editing a video or sound uh, and they'll upload it to a specific link that they'll email off. And then as they go through the day and they make changes, they can add it to those links and things. I'm sure there's other apps that do it too, but Digital Pigeon is definitely the standard. Once again, like most things, it's a subscription base. I think it's about 15 Aussie dollars a month. Um, Hightail and the likes, which is the old you send it. Um, I haven't used them for years. When someone sends me a link with them, they're absolutely fine because all I'm doing is downloading the files. But when I look at them, I, I see that it's nowhere near as advanced as the digital pigeon. Um, so yeah, but for just doing basic send stuff, you can use WeTransfer or uh, any of those free based ones as well. But um, I mean, I send files nonstop all day, every day and they're gigabytes in size. So uh, that's where digital pigeon comes quite handy. Mm. Yeah. For yeah. My, uh, can I jump in? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah I, I'm, I'm one of the old fashioned dudes who still use the old you send it hightail. And the reason I do that is because of, because it is quite secure from what I'm, what I'm told. It's a secure way of, of um, sending files. 
But I have to say that I've got one client who their IT people have said no hightail. I don't know why. It's like, and they want me to we transfer, which hmm. I could be completely wrong. Maybe Paul knows better than I, but I thought we transfer was less secure than hightail. But I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I would have thought so. So I don't understand why the security guys have gone, no hightail, send me we transfer. It's like, really? Okay. Whatever. Um, just a question around Adobe Audition. Can it be used in place of, you know, Audacity? Audition is that different from Audacity? I'm not too sure because I've never worked with it. Um, no, you can definitely use Adobe Audition. I would yeah. think I've never used it, but anything that Audacity, Audacity Audition, Audacity, a different is it Audacity Audition. Yeah. That should be Adobe Audition. Adobe Audition. Oh, okay. Um, that's what Andy said before. Anything audio software that's uh, is is going to be fine, and you don't really need to do lots of heavy editing because anything that voiceover artists are putting together and then sending on, you're really just editing down the takes that you want. But it's always going to be sent to someone like myself who's then going to do something with it before it gets ready for broadcast. So it's it's very unlikely that whatever you're recording raw is going to go straight to broadcast without being treated. So. You don't focus too much on the editing. Yeah, that's right. I mean, a lot of people like you would probably say, just send me the raw files and I'll do the editing. Yeah. And that's, that is probably a better way to go. You know, I mean, editing is, you know, it's that thing about when you consolidate the clip in Pro Tools, I often, it, it feels like there's jerky kind of sound in between the gaps that I've taken out. Mm. Anyway, I'd just like to move on to something that, that is more your area, Paul, but both Andrew and I will have something to say about it. And it's really about the things that you're perceiving people are having problems with at home or the things that you're getting that you're going, oh, damn it, the read was good, but the something was wrong. Are there mm. any, things that, any things that you wanted to mention that um, you've noticed with people working from home more? I've got a, a very good actor... He's also a very good friend who do, I do a lot of work with who has a crappy mic and it bugs the hell out of me. Uh, <laughs> and I've told him time and time again to spend some money on getting something decent, which is what we've discussed. Um, but no, what's my problem? Mm. Echo is the, my biggest problem with any that's sent to me. And that's also something Andrew was talking about before. Reflections, early reflections, reflections that come off walls that you're near. Um, big rooms, the room I'm sitting in right now, which is just my home set up, uh, is, it's, it's treated, but I, I've still got echo. I can hear my own echo right here now. Um, and so that is something really can't get rid of and really sounds, I guess, I guess amateur is the right word there because, uh, you, you know, you're really looking to have a dead sound that we've been discussing and we have discussed how to get that. So. Um, but just run some tests. You know, you're going to do a home setup, um, run some tests. Um, you, you can speak to sort of anyone um, that's going to be able to uh, listen to you or, or do a, if you've got Source Connect and you want to link up with people um, to do a test and see what you sound like, um, there's going to be avenues for you to find that too. So it's really just eliminating any sort of live um, sounding rooms. And the first thing I'll generally say to a lot of people is, if you've got nowhere else set up in your room, then at least go to your bedroom where there's a lot of items in there typically that are going to deaden the sound, like your bed, the carpet, the curtains. Um, things like that are, are going to be a million times better than being in your lounge room or 
God, God help us at a kitchen. Um, <laughs> or a bathroom. <laughs> but, <laughs> Um, okay, so there's a, there's a question around um, recording a demo from home, which I kind of, you know, I hear, oh, no, please don't do that. That would be wrong. Practice, practice, practice from home. But, you know, recording a demo, you know, when you think about how important it is, the demo is the single most important thing to you getting any traction at all, to getting any work at all. It has to be right going over the desk of a studio. It has to be like, yeah, hey, I like that voice. Hey, I like that personality. Oh, that you just went into something completely different. Oh, she's just so great at that. It's got to have traction. You know, there's no point going to the effort of putting a few samples onto a onto a tape. Tape that dates me, but I'm dating. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it is really that is something that you need to spend time and money on. Don't rush a demo because you'll, you'll just kill your opportunities if you send a shit demo out there into the world. It has to be tailored in such a way that it makes you sound like you're already a working voiceover artist that they just haven't come across yet. So you need to do that. So if anybody's thinking of doing a demo from home, please don't do that. Um, as far as getting scripts, somebody asked about scripts. There's a, um, a New York studio called... The Edge. Edge Studio. Edge Studio, The Edge. Um, I know these people. I met them in the States about five years ago. <laughs> and they have a million scripts. They have thousands and thousands of scripts. A lot of them are really crap. But you have to trawl through and find things. And this is another difficult thing for voiceover artists who want to get into the business. What kind of voiceover artist are you? What kind of work is a voice like yours, your disembodied voice? not about you 100% in the world, what kind of work would you get? So what is it that somebody hearing you on a demo or on a track is going to buy about your voice? So you have to know that before you go trawling for scripts. So it's not about what you'd like to be doing. It's about what you would be cast as doing. And I think for anybody just starting out, that can be the hardest question to answer. But go trawling on because that is the biggest source of scripts in the world i believe you know so um otherwise it's you could sort of steal things a bit from on air just record a break and think oh i'd like to be doing that and you can take things and appropriate them you can change the product name or leave the product name out or you can do clever things like that um and, and listen to of course you know if, if you, you haven't done it before listen to voiceover artists on the voiceover agent websites and get an idea about what a professional demo sounds like and yeah if you're not already yeah. and lots of you are i think all of you yeah abby the, i think the professional demo needs to sound like it's grabbed f from in this case the radio it's going to be well produced it's going to be well recorded it's going to, more than likely going to have effects or sound uh, music yeah. underneath it implying uh, whether it was or wasn't uh, that it's been on air yeah. um, and each little clip only wants to be 10, 15, 20 seconds long. You don't have to make a whole 40-second commercial and then stick five of those on your demo. You can have 10 seconds of me sounding like I'm toilet, you know, and then I'm selling a car. So it should vary. Um, I think also one step back, what you were saying there, Abby, too, the, the, try not to do it alone. It, I think the biggest thing about doing a demo, it's the same when you're doing music or anything, the best thing about all production work that we do is when we collaborate. So yeah. When the minute we sit at home and we play guitar to ourselves and we say, yeah, I think that was good. 
but you go around to your friend's house, you play it together and you bounce off each other. And he says, no, you were shit. You should try this. And then straight away, the ideas start bouncing and you both end up producing a better product. And that's, I think, what's going to be good about doing a demo at a studio or at least uh, online with someone that you know, um, is that you're going to get that input. And that just creates something more magical. Yeah, that's great advice. So, you know, the other, the other question was, we're going to go a little bit off, over the hour, aren't we? That's okay, isn't it, Alex, because we were late. Um, talking about how voiceover is changing and, I mean, it's changed a great deal. Voiceover is always evolving, you know. New trends happen, different kind of work happens, driven largely in the last 10 years by the changes online and the digital, and the digital world. But how it's changed right now, it's been like clunk and all of a sudden we're all, if, if we were working voiceover artists with regular clients, we were, it, it, we had to be at home working. So I haven't been into a studio for a month and it's all working really well and it's seamless, but we're still collaborating, which is fantastic and still being produced. And mostly I can hear my, my clients producing me, which is incredible. So you're not alone and you are collaborating. So sometimes it feels like I'm actually, I could almost be in the studio at the studio. I could almost be there. Um, how, I think it's difficult for people who want to get into voiceover right now because we're, we're sort of scrambling. We have nothing settled yet. So I'm, that's a hard thing to read or, or to, um, to second guess because we don't know when we're going to come out of it. It is a good thing if you're wanting to get into voiceover or set yourself up to get more work, to do the research, to get it set up right and to think about what you're doing, what sort of voiceover artist you are or want to be. Um, so... Somebody asked whether there would be an increased demand for radio plays. I hope so. <laughs> you never know. You know, there's an increased demand for audiobooks. In fact, that's the next forum I'm doing is going to be on audiobooks. Um, all of those things will happen, you know, because they can, I suppose. Um, how do you think it's changed, Paul? The industry, yeah. has it? I think you're absolutely right about the knee-jerk um, sort of reaction that we've all had to adhere to and respond to. And, um, and I was saying, I think to Alex before anyone connected to this thing, um, uh, that, um, I, I'd be quite happy for all of this to go home based, if we'll call it for now. Yeah. I know Andy lives there. <laughs> yes. I, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I, I, you know, I've got young kids, so it suits my life to be able to work from home. I hate driving through Melbourne traffic every day to go to the yeah. studio. Look, and honestly, I'm only at the studio two or three days a week. Um, so I'd be quite happy for that. But I think the, and someone said this to me, this, so I'm really just passing this information on. And I think it's really important. This brave new world, Rin, um, it's great for everyone who's been doing it forever. And we've all got contacts and we know what we're doing. However, if you're new, fresh blood and you're looking to do this, it's going to be extremely hard launching from home and just getting to know people over um, Zoom and the likes. Um, and so that, therefore, I realise that it's not going to, when all of this is over, coronavirus, and we sort of go back, I think it will go back, especially for our world. I think, and it also comes back to what I said just a minute ago, the importance of working together in teams is, is, um, is certainly, um, is, is not overstated. It's, it's, um, 
it's a it's a thing that I think is you know, going to bring out the best in everyone again. So I, has it changed? It has currently. I think it will allow more of what we do what we're doing now more uh, online work. So I think you'll see a balance. Um, I think before it was very much ninety ten towards everyone working together in studios and having to be. And I would love not to have to pay the rent on a studio and mm. pay a mortgage. <laughs> Can I just add that that, um, that Paul is actually speaking from his, his home studio. So he doesn't have a booth there because he doesn't need a booth because he has, because I will be home with my source connecting my cubby and we will be talking to each other. So he just has the, the editing. And that would be, you know, and I think Andrew's setup is probably one of the best I've ever seen. Slash yeah. um, and and not everyone has to be that well set up to, to do the work. Um, I think it's a passion. So, <laughs> <laughs> Correct. But, but Andrew's remote. Yeah. He's at Anglesey. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think it will definitely go that way. The biggest advantage for an engineer to have guys like yourselves having their own setup, you'll all agree with this, is you come into the studio, we do a, two hours worth of recording with the uh, clients and we've all had a great day. You go home and then I ring you and say, Oh my God, we've got to do three changes and you have to drive back tomorrow. So that's annoying for anyone. And probably more so not just the driving for everyone, but the engineer who's got to quickly churn that work out and also for the client who needs that yesterday. So the ability for me to just then say to you, Oh, Abby, that thing we recorded yesterday, can you just jump in the booth and do a pickup? Um, and that's a huge advantage, especially when it gets paid for because it's a pickup fee and all that sort of stuff. That's another story. But, um, but the ease of use and the uh, advantage that, that that offers is great. Um, I think, yeah, so a long-winded way again, coming back to your question, Abby, has it changed? Yeah, I think it'll make most of all our clients, the ones that are paying all of us, um, understand that we can do all of this remotely and that 50% of it, I think, in the future will be done remotely. Um, and you know, and there's the classic one. I think the biggest one I find is, um, can we get this particular voiceover at this particular time of the day? No, we can't because they're at home with the kids or they're somewhere else or what have you. And that I think will become the new norm is like, we don't need them to travel. They can just be at home with the kids, shut themselves in this personal studio and do all of this. Um, and, and to have that freedom, I think when we go back to the so-called norm, will be a great advantage. So, um, so none of what we're getting everyone to do now, as in setting up a, a home studio, is a waste of time at all in any sense. Um, it's only going to benefit you. And so the, the thousand odd dollars that you might outlay on microphones and stands and interfaces and soundproofing and what have you, um, off with a couple of jobs um, and you'll never look back. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it's changing for the better, definitely. And this is becoming the new essential. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think what, what has changed dramatically, I can still remember doing, uh, when I first got Source Connect, well, I just checked on my license, was 2007. <laughs> so I got it because I, I was scouting around the internet and found this thing. And I went in to see uh, Mike Slater at Mike Sound, which is a studio down here in Melbourne. And I walked in and, and I knew he was into all this techie stuff. And I said, Mike, I've just found this new thing. It's called Source Connect. And he leaned across. And I looked at his laptop. And he was looking at Source Connect. <laughs> and I said, I said, well, what do you reckon? He goes, are you going to buy it? And I said, maybe. 
are you? He said, well, if you do, I will. So I went, okay, well, let's buy it. And we, we started testing it. And it was pretty clunky back then, but it kind of worked. But the first session I ever did on Source Connect was with Mike Slater. And it was with, a, I won't even mention the client, but it was a client I did quite a lot of work with. Now, it was that I had my studio set up, and I, but I hurt my back and I couldn't drive. So we did the session via Source Connect. That client dumped, dumped me. So I never, I've never worked with that client since because that was the attitude about home studios. They just did not like it, didn't like it at all. Wow. And this is the irony, isn't it, that now you have to have one. But I lost work for having one, and now everyone's got to have one. Mm. But I, I, I can see, look, I, to, for me, I'm just hoping that this is kind of 50% of the work. I mean, I very rarely go to Melbourne anyway, but um, um, it, it makes sense to me because, like, for you, yes, Paul, please. if you've got a job, you know, you need something urgently, you mm. don't have to go, like, are you available tomorrow at 10 o'clock? It's like, are you near the booth now? Yeah, sure, I'll jump in. Yeah. But that's, that's the good thing about this. In that way, it makes sense. And of course, there was a, there was talk a few years ago. Um, you, my agent said, "Well, don't tell anybody that you're going to set up, a, um, you know, at home because it might take work away from the studios." Now, the thing is that what's happened here with Source Connect is that the way that we're recording, so for the high end ad agencies and everything, they will find that completely normal. In fact, it was the ad agencies who drove this whole. We will only work with voice actors with Source Connect. We're not leaving anywhere and we're not going to a studio. We'll only do that. So, of course, that, that's changed that whole thing that we needed to be careful of. We're not stealing work from studios. Um, we, you know, mm. I mean, we haven't talked about other platforms here. And, you know, there are things out there. That's, that's another whole conversation, really. There's just a couple of things I wanted to answer from questions I can see. Can software denoiser plugins be as effective as having a proper VO booth? <laughs> no. Oh God! I've just, we've just done a podcast on that. Check it out. The answer is no. No, it there's a podcast on it. <laughs> podcast on that, Sharon. Thank you. Yeah. Um, all right. So, oh, if you're not, oh, what was the editing thing when you're recording it? When you're recording line by line, would you give the client several different reads, inflections of each line as you do them? No, never do that. Do, do a complete read. Do an edit, you know, do a good edit. And if you listen to that and think, okay, well, I kind of like that, but I might change that. But do another read and do another edit of that. You know, I mean, send them a couple of finished versions. That's the best way to do it. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to run out of time soon. So the last question probably is around how does the voiceover industry compare to actors in the performing arts? Hmm. Well, you know, we're basically the only ones who are working at the moment. Mm. And, and voiceover, you know, anything that, ha that is involved around messaging will never die. In fact, some of you may have heard this, this new digital thing where they actually sample a voice and they have it there. I actually heard it on a government app not the one we're supposed to be downloading, but another thing where it was somebody speaking in that digital voice. And they've been talking about this coming for years and look, maybe they will perfect it in the future. But I don't see how ever, how at any time a digitised voice can ever replace a real voice with real emotion and real meaning. Yeah. I just don't think it can. And so any messaging... And we don't stop sending messages. We will we'll never die. Voiceover artists, if they manage to get traction, will always be working. And then it's really a matter of you, you know, 
Stability was part of that question. There's nothing stable in the performing arts. And, you know, voiceover area is just as fickle as any other area of the arts. They love you. And then they hate you. Mm. Oh, I hate you. It just for whatever reason, it's not you. It's a bit like, you know, doing a submission for a, for a voiceover. You might be, have done 10 submissions in a year and never got the gig. But the fact is, same with auditioning, you know. You got asked to audition, you didn't get the gig. But you were considered to be up to the job. That's why you were auditioning or that's why you were doing the submission. You just have to keep hanging in there and keep perfecting what you have and keep listening to others you like and keep practising, you know. I mean, yeah, practice. Can I just say one thing about that you've mentioned about digital, um, digital voice? The one thing, and, and this could be a long topic, so I'll keep it really short. One thing that we should be doing right now is working out a way to copyright our voices. Because right. if we go into a database and they use a 10 second clip using your voice, we should be paid for that. So anyway, that's another but, topic. But that's, that, I mean, that's around licensing. I reckon yes, that's a correct. licensing question. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. um, so does anybody else have anything they want to say? Uh, I know there were lots of questions about microphones and is an, is an NT12 or an NTG4, would that work? Uh, an NT1 um, is the large diaphragm microphone, which is great, comes in that kit, or an NTG4, which is the shotgun mic. Right. I don't know, Paul, I don't know what you think, Paul. Would you, would you think, would you direct people into getting a shotgun as opposed to a large diaphragm? This was the conversation you and I had the other week, wasn't it? Um, yeah. I have no problem with the shotgun at all. Uh, I think, what has Rodney got? He's got the, the, the one. NTG3. And you said the four now was good. Uh, good. I have no problem with a shotgun mic at all. Um, and they would both be fine. The NT1 and 2 are also brilliant. Um, you and I, Andrew, were talking about that if you didn't have a diaphragm mic, it wouldn't pick up all the background noise and the shotgun mic would be more directional, better for sitting in the middle of a room, wasn't it? Yeah. And also, you know, because it is quite a tight pattern, so you don't sort of get so much. But the only thing you've got to be careful of if you haven't got good mic technique is the proximity effect with the shotgun. If you go off axis with a 416, it goes really horrible. That's probably one of the good things about the NTG5, which is the new shotgun that doesn't, it's much smoother on the off axis stuff. We all need is really good quality. Uh, look, what is it, the Madonna mic? What do we call the Madonna mic? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. A headset, a headset mic that never moves. So when you move, it goes with you. It's perfect. You're never off mic. Make a good one of those. With <laughs> um, so just, just an editing thing. Somebody's just asked, is it important to edit out any clicks and mouth noises from final files? Well, not if you're sending it, you know, yeah. to a studio because they'll, they'll just de-click it. You yep. got the de-clicker, Paul? Yep, definitely. You got the de-click? I got, I got to work with de-clicker all the time. De-clicker. Um, so the Selby Acoustics Portable Vocal Booth at $89. Mm. Heard of that one, Andrew? <laughs> no, it must I be good at $89. $89 is probably going to be a bit, <laughs> might be a bit shit. <laughs> I mean, you know, how much material is in it for $89 and then getting it to, it's probably a bit shit. I go down the spotlight and buy yourself a faff and start whizzing one up. Do you know what? Actually, on that, guys, the easiest way, if you just want a couple of um, panels, like acoustic panels that are literally frames of wood, um, like a door frame, if you will, that have insulation bats in them typically uh, and then fabric over them, 
so many, if you just hop on Facebook or eBay or anywhere, you can find so many people making those in their backyards that just flog them for 80 bucks a pop type thing. Um, if you look behind me, you'll see one in the corner of my room. Um, I made mine myself, of course, and you can easily do that for a very low amount of money. Pop off the Bunnings, get some framework, hop onto Google and find out how to do it. It's extremely simple. Uh, they look good, but more importantly, they are... Um, uh, very effective for killing all those top end frequencies. And one of the best ones I remember seeing was at gas back in the day, Rodney had one that was like two old doors connected with hinges, uh, thing from studios and that can sit behind you or in front of you. Um, and it stands itself up and is, and is portable. So if you're in a, a rental flat or what have you, you can stand one of these things up, open it up to be like an L shape, um, do your do your uh, voice, and then you can pack it away effectively and stick it in the in the cupboard. So um, there's some really good uh, and cheap and easy ways of creating yourself little baffles um, without having to hop underneath a doona. There goes a Harley Davidson. I'm just a thing on the on the, the noises and the clicks as as part of that question um, from Tim. If you know, are you wasting your time editing out all these noises because you hear a lot of radio commercials where mouth noises are still audible? That's a shame. But um, you know, there might be some cowboys around who pay nothing to voiceover artists and get crap sent to them, and they just put them to air. But if you're if you're making things that are for broadcast, then yes, you do need to edit out all of those, uh, you know, bits of jetsome. Um, otherwise, I think we I think we know where those um, those voiceovers were coming yeah, from. Yeah, we could. Yeah. Okay. How much to charge clients? Acceptable rates. Ex go to EM Voices rates, and you'll find things. I think all of the the uh, voiceover agents have rates that you can see on their site, not just the the equity negotiated rates. There are um, just industry agreed rates that we don't have a, um, a structure for. We, we put out a survey a couple of years back to try and identify new work and what it was and how we should, you know, kind of move forward on a rate structure. And it, um, it wasn't wanted by agents. It was wanted by studios, I would say, because it can be a bit confusing because agents sort of charge things a little bit differently in that area. But they're all about the same. But that's where you can find information on rates. Um, and yeah, so are we just about done? May I ask a question, please? Sure. Um, first of all, thank you, you three and Alex as well for doing this for us. Appreciate it much. Thank this you. is a question for Andrew, please. Andrew, you were talking about that portable booth. Um, if you live in a rental small apartment and, um, you're starting out with doing this at home, would it be good enough to use then from home, like to start that and then get the, um, that kit that you told us about where it gives you the MT1G, et cetera? Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the Porter Booth, <laughs> if that's what we're talking about, the Porter Booth from yeah. Ireland, yeah. They're, they're, they're great. I, like, I've, like I said, I've used them for years. I've taken that thing, it's been everywhere with me. Whenever I go away, I take it and use it. I mean, I, like I've mentioned before, I did have a few issues getting it to work properly from at the beginning. And I tried it with different microphones and, it, you know, and you get different responses from it. But what I've, what I've done now is with that, I just use it with a shotgun mic and it sounds, it's fine, works perfectly. And the, and the good thing about it is once you've got it, you've got it for the rest of your career if you want, because it will travel with you and 
if you get to the point of building your own studio, you've still got that to travel with. So it's certainly not money down the, down the drain, that's for sure. What, what is the difference between a condenser mic and a shotgun mic? Um, shotgun mic, I don't know whether you want to jump on this, Paul, but a, a condenser mic or a large diaphragm condenser mm. um, is usually a one-inch one diaphragm or one-inch uh, capsule. Um, with a membrane in the middle and of course it, the, the, it just moves and that's how you get the sound from air moving. Where a shotgun mic has the capsule further up the tube and it's designed basically for a kind of either um, location work, that's what they were originally designed for, mm. a shotgun. And it was just that guy who was um, the promo guy for CBS or whatever it was, who was so paranoid, he, he hated sitting in a soundproof booth and seeing people talking, always thinking they were talking about him, and demanded to sit outside at the console because <laughs> they used to read live promos in those days. And so the poor tech had to find something that wasn't going to allow too much noise in. And he grabbed a Sennheiser 416, shoved that in front of him, and the rest, as they say, is history. History. Mm. The large frame the large diaphragm condenser will pick up more bass. Um, so probably more um, important for, well, particularly for someone also like uh, Andrew, who's got a nice deep voice, um, you'll pick it up. So tends to be more for males. Uh, if you're doing a female vocal for music, yeah, you might want to use one. But also that said, for a deep voice also like Andrew's, it's good to also use a shotgun because it picks up all the higher frequencies because when we mix something for broadcast, typically we'll take out a lot of the lower frequencies, mainly because they don't get as heard through um, speakers once it's been through all the broadcast compressors and stuff as much as the high frequencies do. So you, in order for us to create a commercial for our clients who are paying all the money, who want their ad to be heard clearer than anyone else's is to go to the high end frequencies of which these uh, shotgun mics offer. So it means less EQing at the other end, basically, which is why a lot of people use them. So, um, but honestly, for what we're all doing, either mic will be just fine for this kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay, there's a, just a question here around rates about um, corporate narration. I'm, I'm not too sure about, uh, it's a big, big, look, rates is a tricky thing. It is, there are so many different ways we charge and there are so many different things especially in the non-broadcast area we're very clear about the commercial area we really are but in the non-broadcast area what you're dealing what you should always be dealing with is a um is um duration and reach right how long is it going to be on and where's it going like how many years are going to be on it and is it, a, is it a small company or is it a large company? And when you're asked to quote on something in the non-broadcast area, that's what you need to be thinking about. How big is this company? Does it have two shops in, in you know, Victoria and one in Queensland or is it a national company? Where is it going? It's all of those kind of things have to be considered. And then duration and reach. Is this something that could be potentially on for a really long time as it has nothing to date it? Or is it, a, is it clearly for an event or something like that? And that's the way you do it without any real structure, you know? So, sorry, kind of, uh, somebody asked a question about putting accents into a demo. If you, what, what I want you to think about with accents is what do you listen to on air or anywhere you hear the disembodied voice in our landscape? You don't hear a great deal of accent work. If you're a brilliant character voice artist, then translate that to the Australian voice character. You know, it's, it, it can't be um, all about 
uh, accents. If, if you do good character accents, then do it, put it on a different demo and make sure it's separate from your commercial work. So do as much, think about what's out there and what you would like to get. If you load up a demo with, um, with accents and characters, you may be doing yourself a disservice because what they want to hear is the basically the straight stuff and how you deal with a script. So don't, don't try and make this too much about your voice. It's not about your voice. It's about their message and what they're trying to achieve by getting you to deliver their message. Hope that helps. Also, the other thing, Abby, is talk about accents and stuff. Mm. Particularly now we're, you know, working via Source Connect. Um, if, if someone goes, oh, can you do an Irish accent? Why would they get me to do an Irish accent when they can actually dial someone in from Ireland? Irish so, you know. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Whereas we used to fudge it back in the day, didn't we, Andrew? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Was that a Hi question? guys and Abby. Can I, ask a I don't... can I ask a quick question, guys? Yep, go for it. No, just thank you very much, by the way, to the three of you. It's wonderful. Just thank a quick you. one. Wi-Fi wi or Ethernet connection? Now, when you're on the road, Andrew, do you use uh, an Ethernet cable or do you use Wi-Fi? Uh, I use Wi-Fi on the road. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not perfect. And, in fact, if you're, using, if you're doing a live thing with Source Connect, um, you know, look, you, you get away with it if you've got half-decent Wi-Fi, but you're always better plugging in Ethernet cables. Right. But having said that, I don't. I, use, I just use the Wi-Fi in the hotels or wherever I'm staying and just hope for the best. I also use Wi-Fi 24-7 for all of my source connects. I don't have a problem. But then again, I'm in the heart of Melbourne, so I don't have internet problems. So Yeah. I mean, that is one of the things you've got to make sure of, that your internet is sound. Yeah. And, and the thing about the source connect, we've talked about internet. We did a, a podcast on the Pro Audio Suite the other day talking about this. And it doesn't have to, you don't have to have huge upload and download speeds for source connect. The, the, the thing it needs is consistency. It needs to be consistent to work properly. Yeah. So I wouldn't be sort of stressing out going, I'm not in the NBN. And as long as your, your speeds are consistent, you, you should be fine. Yeah. Hello. Hi, my name's Sophie. Thank you so much. Hugely, hugely helpful. Um, I really have a couple of quick gear questions, if that's okay. Um, it was mentioned the NT1 kit, Andrew. Yeah. And I'm in New Zealand. Um, I've seen a kit, which is the NT1A. I just wasn't quite sure if there was a big difference. Yeah, the, don't get the NT1A. Don't get it, okay. <laughs> yeah, stick to the NT1. NT1A has got some, it's got a really strange sound to it, so avoid that one. But okay. the NT1, which is the black one, um, I'll show you the picture again just so you can have a look and memorize yes. that. Yes. Well, that's the black NT1 in that kit, and it's, okay. a really, it's a great kit. I mean, that's pretty that, well set, set you up. That, that, that okay. kit. Put a link for it up there in the chat there too. I don't know if anyone can see that. I sent it at least to Alex. Um, that mic, that uh, that whole kit that that Andrew just showed is brilliant because the interface is made by the same people that make the microphone. The whole thing sits. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Andrew, it sits. A whole interface sits on your mic stand. Is that right? Uh, no. Well, here's the. This is the interface. So that's what it looks like. Yeah. Um, it, it's really small. It's fantastic, but it's 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 like a little tank. It's brilliant. Yeah, I and like I said before, the headphone amp in this thing is just unbelievable. So it's perfect. That's a very good sitting. value. That is really good value. Yeah. Would you use that for recording like sung vocals as well? Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing about all microphone companies. They're either making microphones for music or they're making it for, 
film and television. No one makes anything for voiceover. We just okay. you know, cobble together what we can get from other industries. So yeah, this was designed for, for vocals, but it's, okay. it's perfect. It's a great mic. It sounds really good. In fact, we did a shootout um, probably a year ago and we had a, like a lot of guys, audio engineers listening to this. And I, I had about seven or eight microphones and the one at the end of it that, that blew everyone away was that NT1 because it, it, it sounded so much like a 416, which it shouldn't, that everyone was scratching their head going, this, it's incredible. You can spend a thousand bucks on a 416 or, you know, 250 bucks on this thing and they sound the same. Thank you. That's very helpful. Thanks, Sophie. No worries. Marty Ryan raised his hand. I can see that on my thing. Oh, Marty Ryan. I, I saw him in LA. Only a couple yeah, years ago. Yeah, a little while ago. <laughs> Marty, are you there? Yes, I am, but I, I haven't been up. Hang on, let me un, just let me un. Yes, yes. Can you hear me? I can hear you, but I can't see you, Marty. No, don't worry about not seeing me. I Maybe you're in your dharmies, love. Yeah, I am. Uh, just a very quick question, guys, and thank you very much for today. Very informative. A couple of quick questions on gear. I have a Mavavi for video editing, but I'm currently using it for voiceover editing and mixing. I also have Audacity. Should I switch to Audacity? Um, you, you're saying you've got Mojave on your, as, as in the program you're using? Yes, I have. Yes, I use it for video editing, but I also use it when I audition for voiceovers. I use it to do some equalising and, and some editing. And I'm just wondering, I, I understand that Mojave is really not uh, state-of-the-art stuff, and I'm wondering whether I should switch to uh, Audacity. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, you're editing on that. But Audacity is great, but um, if you're on a Mac, you know, for uh, for the eighty bucks. Oh, actually, no, because you're doing the pictures, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on a PC as well. Yep. Yeah. Oh, you're on a PC. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, the, I mean, all the Steinberg stuff. I re I've always been a bit of a fan of Steinberg. So you've got you know basic mastering, which is WaveLab, which I use, but they've got Nuendo and Cubase. Mm -hmm. Um, there's also Reaper. Oh, yeah. Does, I'm not sure if Reaper works on a PC. It certainly, uh, it certainly works I, on a Mac. Well, I'll try Audacity. I also have a Yeti USB mic. It's very heavy, as you know, uh, which generally sits on my desk. Is that an issue? Uh, are you using that to, to, to voice? I'm not using it at the moment. I bought it recently um, and I haven't been using it. Um, I asked the guys in LA whether what I was doing was okay. They said, yeah, look, the quality's fine, but I'm still not satisfied because um, the mic I'm using is, is really, it's only a lapel mic, literally. Mm. Um, and so I, I bought the, uh, the Yeti, but the Yeti is too heavy to, uh, to uh, suspend. Um, but does, is the, can I make the Yeti work? That's what I'm getting at. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, Paul could probably answer that question better than I, but I, I would say, depending on what you're doing with it, not really. Not if it's not if you're using it for broadcast voiceover. I wouldn't. Be yeah, using it. I would say that I would. I would agree with that. Try and get it off. Yeah. the it could give you a reflection as well. So early reflection straight off the desk, combined with the mic, so you'll get your comb filtering and what have you. If you have to put it on a desk, then uh, put a lot of baffling. Your, you're baffling again. Yeah. Yeah. You want to do. Um, yeah, deaden that surface again if possible. Um, like put a put a towel or a rug or something on there and try and make that towel uneven too, so it's not like just a folded flat towel, for example. Layer it quite a few. Scrunch it up. The scrunchier, the yeah. better. Um, what is the quality of the mic? What is the actual quality of the Yeti mic though? Is it up to scratch? I don't know it. Um, I'm sort of my head's in the sand. I 
look, the, the, the trouble for, I don't know much about USB mics, mainly because I don't use them. They're, they could be really good quality. I don't know at all. Uh, I don't know the Yeti. Um, once again, and I don't think Andrew was on the line um, when we had this part of the conversation, the trouble with USB mics is the preamp um, voltage that they don't have. A USB uh, mic can't get a, a very high voltage into it because it's being powered from um, the computer or what have you, the interface, but, um, sorry, not the interface. So a, a good mic and the reason why the quality is better is because they're getting a lot of voltage to them um, from an interface, um, from, okay. from the amp interface. So um, that said, you could do a recording for me. Would I spot that it was recorded on a USB mic as opposed to a, a, you know, a preamp microphone? Maybe not. I don't know. Um, if your clients that you're sending it to are happy, then it's, that's probably a good sign. Um, I, I only spend money, I think, particularly in this economic climate, only spend money if you need to. Um, if you have a client that's saying, hey, it's a bit subpar, have you got another mic? Then, okay, spend money. But if that's not happening, then stick with what you've got. Um, do try and get it off the desk just for a sound perspective but um if it's too heavy and that's interesting that it sounds too heavy um then um you you could also um marty you, you might also be able to if it's heavy mount it on something the top of a, a chest of drawers or something like that and stand up yep. into it that way um well i've got a walk-in robe that with shelf so i can i can possibly use it in there just watch the shelf doesn't also have early reflections and sound like you're in a car sure. or yeah yep. i just gotcha. like to say marty if you're not getting a big strike rate on those auditions if there could be something wrong with you know the quality that's all yep. um okay. alan fletcher did you have a question you wanted to ask yeah just a quick one awesome awesome webinar guys thank you uh, i've got all the gear the mic uh, and, and so forth um and i use the scarlet to have um yeah. i just need to set myself up a booth properly uh i'm experimenting with a a doona in a oh. in a square uh, around the doors of a wardrobe um, and uh, with uh, with uh, some poly some poly above my head um just or should I should I sounds be, good it I'm does sound great uh, yeah I'm just wondering if I'm wasting my time with it would the doona make the sound too dead Paul no the doona will add what happens al good to speak to you i didn't know you were here with us too by the way i haven't seen you for ages um the doona will be great the doona will stop all the top end frequencies so if you were to clap your hands you wouldn't have that bright reflection what happens though is the the biggest problem is is the is the low frequencies the bass from our voices um that will go straight through the doona and bounce off the door and come back again and and so no matter how much doonas or towels or whatever we've got um, nothing beats distance. So, um, what it's, it's interesting. And earlier I talked about the, the baffle I have over the, my right hand corner here. They're, they're just literally insulation bats, the ones that you put in your roof and they're dressed in fabric mm. and important for those to breathe, actually let the air through them. They say the best way to test them is to blow with your mouth and see if air will come through it. And they, the answer is you want that for sound. They then also say to, to mount that. So it's about an inch away from the wall. What happens then is the base frequencies travel through that, become diffused, hit the wall that they were always going to hit anyway, 
and bounce back and get another layer of diffusion. So if you can separate the doona from the door, even better again. Um, if you can't, then the more doona, the better. Uh, it's certainly not a waste of time though. Um, but nothing beats distance to get rid of uh, echo. So if you have to be in a big room or a large room or any sort of room, just try and get away from any particular surface, which is why early when we were just saying to Marty, try and get that mic off that desk. So um, mm. hard, close surfaces are our enemies, effectively. Okay. okay. Go, Alex. I was just about to say, uh, this has been a fa fabulous pod, um, live stream. I wanted to thank Abby, Paul and Andrew. We have gone over time because people had so many questions and there was so much information to impart. And I just want to thank all of them. And thank you to Abby for putting this together. No worries. And, and apologies to everybody who couldn't get their question answered. So hopefully we've given you enough, um, you know, guff. <laughs> Thank Thanks. you, guys. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Paul and Andrew. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. 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 Bye. Bye. Thank you. Media Super is the principal sponsor of the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work of the foundation, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Australian Actors' Equity on Facebook and Twitter.